The Detroit Pistons are now on a four-game losing streak after losing to Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns today on Sunday. What is the biggest reason for the Detroit Pistons to be on this four-game losing streak after starting off the season 2-1? and one? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. I'm recording this Sunday right after the Detroit Pistons lost to the Phoenix Suns. First of all, Kevin Durant is 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 just amazing. He's Kevin Durant, obviously. It's just he makes things that are so difficult look so easy. Dude dropped 41 points against the Pistons. I feel like he could have dropped 50. Um, he's just really good, obviously. KD is one of the all-time greats. Um, it's always fun watching him. Um, but the Pistons are now on a four-game losing streak, and tomorrow, on Monday, they will be playing the back end of a back-to-back against the Golden State Warriors. It is home at Little Caesars Arena, um, but they are currently on a four-game losing streak. And then going up against the Golden State Warriors, not looking good. And then after the Warriors, you got the Bucks, then the 76ers. So this thing could get ugly. What's the What, what happened? The Pistons started off 2-1. and one. Everything was looking cool. Everyone was excited. And now the Pistons have lost four in a row. Fans are mad. Everyone has went from high up, happy as ever, to now it's over, doomsday, the season's over, all this stuff. Well, what's happened over the last week or so? Um, we'll talk about some different players specifically later on the podcast. More positives, Marcus Sasser, Asar Thompson. We'll talk about that later. Um, but I, I want to talk about what I think is the biggest reason for why the Pistons are on a four-game losing streak. And there's a lot of reasons there's a lot of things that play into it, obviously. Turnovers have been really bad, specifically against the Trailblazers. The Pistons dominated that game until really like midway through the third quarter, and they just started throwing the ball away. They they were out by 18 points at one, uh, one point. Cade had some really bad turnovers in the second half of that game. Um, turnovers have really hurt the Pistons, and it's not just like the amount of turnovers. It's like the timing of said turnovers, too. Like, for example, in this game against the Phoenix Suns today, there was a point in which the Pistons cut the lead to, I believe it was 10 10 points. I believe this was the second quarter or the third quarter. Either way, the Pistons cut this lead down to 10 points, and then Cade came down, turned the ball over on back-to-back possessions. KD hit a dunk, and then KD hit a three, and now a 10-point game was a 15-point game, just like that, before halftime or before the fourth quarter. Again, two turnovers throughout the entire game is not going to kill you, but the Pistons have been having some turnovers at the worst times possible, and they just it just kills you. It, it, it kills the Pistons. So turnovers have been a problem. Have the Pistons gotten the best whistle? No. I, they, they don't get very many foul calls. They don't get many free throws. I know Cade, um, over, the last, um, over the last four games, before this Phoenix Suns game, he had gotten seven free throws, five free throws, three free throws, five free throws. Um, I think that's still pretty disrespectful. He should be getting more foul calls, but... You know, foul calls, the refs are not why the Pistons are on a four-game losing streak. Turnovers, they play a part in why the Pistons are on a four-game losing streak. 
But by far, to me, the biggest reason why the Pistons are on this losing streak is because Jalen Duran has not been that dominant defensive center like he was in the first three games. And let me go ahead and just say this now before we even move forward. That is okay. It's okay. I'm not worried about it at all. It's not a big deal to me at all. But I know a lot of fans expected to win a lot of games this year. They expected to compete for the playoffs. And now the Pistons at 2-4 and four with some three straight games that look pretty tough. Um, if the Pistons are able to win one of those games, I think that would be spectacular. But, you know, without seeing them played yet, this, uh, the Bucks, the, the Warriors, the 76ers, it's just tough to see them winning those games. Doesn't mean they can't, but, you know, it's tough. Um, this thing could get ugly pretty quickly. And the reason for it, I think, is because of Jalen Duran's defensive play. And the dude's 19. The dude's 19. I wasn't expecting him to be great defensively this year, which is why it was so shocking after the first three games of the year where he looked like an absolute dominant defensive center. That was the biggest reason why the Pistons were 2-1. and one. Cade was playing great. I think Cade was their best player. But during through those first three games, he had games of four blocks, two blocks, two blocks, multiple games with one steal apiece. And that's not even just the stocks don't just read it for themselves. His, his rim protection was great. He was looking really good in drop coverage. He was extremely active. He was all over the place on the glass. 14 rebounds first game, 17 rebounds second game, 15 rebounds the third game. He was dominating on the defensive glass, playing tremendous defense, and he looked like he had taken a, a, such a jump on the defensive end that I couldn't remember. Not many times. I, I, I can't even think of somebody, maybe Dwight, um, but someone who goes, a big man that goes from the year 18 years old to 19 in his second season and makes some crazy defensive jump. It just doesn't happen. Defensive position is one of the hardest positions to play defensively in the NBA and usually takes them the longest time to adjust um, to all the different schemes and communicating, talking on defense, you know, staying consistent, all that stuff. So I wasn't expecting Darren to be great this season defensively already. I think that's something that's going to be down the line when he's maybe 22 years old, when he's more in his prime and more experienced and stuff. But through the first three games, it looked like, okay, maybe it's here. This is crazy, and that's why the Pistons were 2-1. and one. Now, over the last few games, he has not been that same defensive defensive uh, dominant center. He just hasn't. And it's not, again, this isn't like going after Jalen Duran. He's still amazing. I love him for their future. Like, this is not, simply pointing this out is not hating on Jalen Duran or being out on Jalen Duran. It's just pointing out what's happening and understanding this is the kind of thing that happens with 19-year-olds, with second-year players. They're not going to be great consistently. They're not going to make this crazy leap and be consistently at that at that level throughout at 19 years old. It's just it doesn't happen very often. So the fact that he's came, you know, kind of I don't want to say crashing down, but kind of came back down to earth defensively over the last few games is not shocking to me and it shouldn't be like a big bad deal or anything. You just would like you, throughout a guy's second season at 19 years old, it's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. And when Jalen Duran is as up as he was through the first three games defensively, the Pistons are going to look really freaking good. And when he's down like he has been the last few games, you're going to notice it. It's going to be very noticeable because the Pistons don't have that great of defenders on the team already. Their starting lineup is probably their best defenders all in one. But then off the bench, they're playing Marvin Bagley, Joe Harris in this game. Um, Jay and Ivy didn't even get to play this game because he was out with an illness. But in games before that, Jane Ivy obviously isn't that crazy of a defender. That's obviously his weak point. 
Um, but Jalen Duran really was just making up for a lot of stuff in the first three games, and he's just not doing that now. Obviously, he missed a game against Portland due to an injury, and he dealt with some foul trouble against New Orleans that really kept him out of the game. Um, and then this past game against the Phoenix Suns, they really just killed the Pistons on the offensive glass. The Pistons couldn't uh, secure any rebound, according to NBA.com. The Suns had 43 rebounds to the Detroit Pistons, 33. The Phoenix Suns had 14 offensive rebounds. Josh Okogie was killing them in the beginning of the game in the first half, just getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound after offensive rebound. They had, you know, all kinds of players active on the glass for them. Kate's B, uh, Kiete Bates Diop, I hope I said his name right, for the uh, Phoenix Suns. He had two offensive rebounds. The The Suns were just killing them on the glass, and the Pistons couldn't close any defensive possessions. And then also Jalen Durant only had 12 points and 11 rebounds. That's not an awful game, but it's not what he was doing through the first three games. Again, it's not like he's playing terribly. He's just not as good as he was through the first three games. And again, that's expected. You're going to have ups and downs. Along with the fact he had five turnovers in this game, the Pistons' best players are really struggling with turnovers. He had five. Cade had six this game. Cade previous game had seven. That's really killing them too. But Jalen Duran not being dominant defensively like he was through the first three games. Now, while it's expected and it's okay, there's going to be ups and downs, that I think is the reason why you're seeing them on a four-game losing streak. That was the biggest reason why I thought they were 2-1. and one. That was the biggest reason why the defense had been so great is because they had an anchor at the center position, really covering up everything and erasing all mistakes. And in the last four games, the Pistons have given up 124 points to the Thunder, 110 points to the Trailblazers, 125 points to the New Orleans Pelicans, and 120 points to the Phoenix Suns without Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. So, you know, it's, it's, that, that's the biggest reason to me. In the first three games when the Pistons were playing well, 103 points to the Heat, 99 points to the Hornets, 102 points to the Bulls. You could say the competition picked up, and sure, yeah, it has. But also, Jalen Duren just hasn't been as impactful in the defensive end. Um, I'm assuming we're going to see another stretch at some point. It could be next game. It could be the next few games where Jalen Duren goes back and he looks at, you know, he has those stretches where he's this dominant defensive force. And then you'll have another stretch of games like we've seen the last few games where he's just not that it's just part of the growth. It's part of development. You're going to have these games. You just hope as he gets older and eventually it becomes more consistently great. But right now, that's why you know the Pistons are a young team. You're going to have this happen to everybody. Just about every important player on this team is going to have highs and lows throughout the year. They're a really young team. They're developing still. They're growing. So this is expected. But yeah, Jalen Duran. I don't think he's just been bad. He just hasn't been, you know, Dwight Howard levels. <laughs> And defensively, you know, so I think that's the biggest reason. Definitely the Portland game, though. The Portland game simply was due to turnovers. That was that was a bad loss to have. There's no reason why the Pistons should have lost that game to the Portland Trailblazers. Turnovers killed them, absolutely killed them. But all the other games, yeah. I, and Dern also missed the game, too. Um, he missed that game against Portland. They should have won that game despite it. But, yeah, they need to get back defensively, and they need Dern. If they want to win games and, and, and really be great defensively, they need Duran to be consistently at that peak he was in the first three games. I don't know how realistic it is to ask him of that, but that's what they basically are going to need, um, until at least until all their guys get back. And maybe that helps offensively. That kind of balances it out. But at least right now, if they want to be winning games like they were at the beginning of the year, they need Duran to be at that level. I just don't know how realistic it is to expect him to be there. So let me know what you guys think. What's the biggest reason for the Detroit Pistons to be on this four-game losing streak, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, 
Some positive news. Marcus Sasser going crazy, an absolute flamethrower. We'll talk about his play so far and what this could mean for him coming up. But first, I need to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, man, Game Time. So look, if you're a procrastinator like me, I, I, I told you guys this last time. Half the time, I, I wait to record the podcast until late at night. Half the time when I'm making plans with the wife, when I'm making plans with the boys, I wait till last second. I, I, I don't, for some reason, it just is what it is. But with game time, that actually saves me. Because game time has last-minute tickets just about up to the game. And even after the game starts, they have tickets available. They have flash deals. They have everything on there. And it makes it so easy for someone like me and if some of you guys out there just like me that like to procrastinate and wait to the last second, well, game time will have you covered. Another great thing about game time is that you can see the view of your seat before you buy on the app so you know exactly what to expect and what the seats look like before you purchase them. Another great thing with game time as well, again, I mentioned they have flash deals, but one of the things I love about game time is the fact that one of the other things, I go through my email when I purchase tickets and I have to scroll through, I have to find them. It just takes forever. With game time, it's just two taps. It's right there on your phone. You have to go through searching through your emails, trying to find your tickets. Nope, game time will be right there. So download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today with last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed with Game time. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Now, the Pistons are on a four-game losing streak, and obviously that sucks. That sucks. Fans don't like to hear that. They don't like to see that. They want to see this team win more. They want to see this team compete for the play-in, you know, all that stuff. And everyone was super high, like we talked about earlier. Everyone was super high after the first three games. And now they've started to come down back a little bit. And even now, it's only six games. Everyone needs to just relax. It's only been, um, well, actually, six games. It's been seven games, hasn't it? I believe seven games, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, so seven games. They're on this four-game losing streak. But still, it's only been seven games. The season's not over. It's not made it's a long season. Everyone needs to understand that there's 82 games in the NBA season, and a lot of things happen. There's a lot of ups. There's a lot of downs. Things change constantly. God, just go with the season. Can't be reacting and overreacting to every little thing that happens after every single game, or you're just going to drive yourself crazy. So you can't do that. But in the midst of this losing streak, there's been some positives, and one of them is the play of the Detroit Pistons' second first-round pick of this past uh, NBA draft, Marcus Sasser. Before the season started, we had um, Locked On Cougars host on the podcast to talk about Marcus Sasser, and I told him, you know, Marcus Sasser, I don't expect him to even be in the rotation this year. It's going to be hard to see him in the rotation because of Monte Morris, Alec Burks, Kate Cunningham, Jane Ivey, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought, you know, it's going to be tough to see a way he can get into the court this year. However, due to the injury to Monte Morris, due to the recent injuries of um, Alec Burks, and due to Jane Ivey being out with illness in this game against the Phoenix Suns, Marcus Sasser has really gotten his chance to come out here and shine and, and play his game. And boy, has he done that. This dude is an absolute flamethrower. Absolute flamethrower. In this game against the Phoenix Suns, he had 22 points, 
four assists, four of six from deep, nine of 16 from the field. Before this game, he had 19 points against the Pelicans, five of eight from deep. He uh, had eight points against the Portland Trailblazers, four of six from the floor. OKC, he was two of two from deep with six points. He's been he's been uh, a positive, I'd say, even in the limited minutes he's been getting. Um, the first two games of the year, he didn't even crack 10 minutes. I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was great, but he wasn't bad. He was like, okay, you can see it with him. Okay, I, I can see something. Um, but he started to pick it up as of late during this losing streak, and he's gotten a chance, and he's made the most of his opportunity. Um, first of all, that's absolutely fantastic to see from him. You can see that he's he's just a flat-out scorer. I don't think you he's someone that you want running your offense. I don't think he's this you know fantastic passer, but what he is – He's a flat-out scorer, and he's a flat-out shooter, and a guy who competes hard defensively at the point of attack. He doesn't let his size be a reason for him not to play defense. He's very active defensively. He gets in people's stuff. And offensively, he fits really well next to another ball handler, which in this game against the Suns, you saw it a little bit in the game before, and Monty Williams continues to talk about this. At least in the immediate future, you're going to see a lot of Kay Cunningham, Marcus Sasser, and Killian Hayes on the floor because Marcus Sasser plays so well next to other guys who can ball handle and create the offense because of his scoring ability, his ability to space the floor, his ability to attack closeouts, and just go get a bucket when you need him to. So I think you're going to see that a lot when Jane Ivey gets back healthy. You might see Cade, Marcus Sasser, and Jane Ivey. Um, when Monte Morris comes back, you might see Cade, Marcus Sasser, Monte Morris. Um, I think Marcus Sasser, because of his ability to play off ball and then guard the point of attack, um, offensive player on the defensive end of the floor, it brings him a lot of versatility about who he can play with. So he'll be in crazy different lineups. Like he'll be in lineups with Killian Hayes. He'll be in lineups with Cade. He'll be in lineups with Jane Ivey, with Monte Morris. He'll be in lineups with a combination of any of those guys together simply because of his versatility and his ability to do things on both ends of the floor. Um, the, other pl- the other route you could take this, which I've already seen some Pistons fans bring up, which I'm, I don't want to do this yet. But um, I've seen a lot of Pistons fans say, hey, time to start Marcus Sasser. And I, I wouldn't do that right now just because what happens with, I feel like with fans, what happens a lot is a young player plays really well in his role off the bench. They immediately want to start him. They start him, and then he underperforms in that starting role, and now everyone's upset with him. Now, it's very well he could go into the starting lineup and play really well. Well, I think it's more important. Then him just start if they wanted to start him, I it would I understand it makes sense. He keeps that defensive tenacity on the defensive end and he spaces the floor. So if they wanted to start him in the starting lineup, it makes sense. Based off what Monty has been saying, even as of today, I don't see them changing their starting lineup. He continues to talk about how it's just six games, just like I've told you guys for weeks, people keep getting mad at me, but I just am relaying what I understand, what I know, and what Monty keeps saying all in one. Just like I told you guys last week. When I said it's only been a few games, a coaching staff's not going to go off what they believe after just a few games, Monty today said it's only been six games. I'm not going to panic and change anything and tell people not to do this, not to do that over six games. It's a long season. Get mad at me all you want, but that's just the truth. That's why I've been telling you guys. I don't expect them to make changes to the starting lineup at least like in the next, I don't know. I, I, whenever Monty... Whenever Monty believes is the time to reevaluate things, like a, I told you guys, for me, I go by quarters. If I was a coach, well, I've listened to J.J. Redick many times talk about how he evaluated his seasons in quarters and he evaluates the NBA season in quarters. That's what I do. 
I don't know what Monty Williams likes to evaluate them in. So whenever he has that first evaluation, that's when I'd expect a change to the starting lineup to happen if it does. But I don't think Marcus Sass is going to be played in the starting lineup next game or anything. What I do think, though, is you're going to see more of what Monty Williams did tonight, is that Marcus Sass is going to play more throughout the game in lineups with Cade. He's going to have, you know, he's going to stagger guys. He's going to get Killian Hayes out the game early. He's going to get Sasser in so he can play a lot of minutes with Cade. Sasser played 30 minutes tonight. That's starter level, level minutes. He didn't start, but he played 30 minutes. He played in a lot of lineups with Cade. He played the same level of minutes he probably would have played if he was a starter. So that's what's more important to me, is that if Sasser continues to play this way, you continue to get him minutes throughout the game. You continue to play him in a lot of lineups with Cade Cunningham uh, to provide some spacing. And if he's playing well in that specific night, and at least until Burks comes back or Morris comes back, you close with them because you need that spacing, and he provides – He's probably one of the only players on the team, at least so far. He's not going to continue to shoot 60% from three the rest of the year. It's not going to happen. He's going to come back down to earth. Now, I don't think coming back down to earth is going to be 30%. It's probably going to be somewhere around like 37 38% is what I'd assume. But he's one of the only players, at least it looks like, that can space the floor, can shoot the ball, while also competing and playing hard defensively. I, I, I really am interested to see as the season goes on, how much his height plays against him defensively. He gives it his all defensively. He's really good at the point of attack. He's very active and, and strong, uh, not strong, but um, I guess active with his hands on ball as well. He creates a lot of steals and gets in people's stuff, causes them to pick up the dribble. Um, but even tonight, or not tonight, earlier today against the Suns, they got a few switches with him on KD. Now, obviously, any switch with KD is a mismatch, but... If you go against any guys like on the wing that get that mismatch with Sasser, they're probably going to go after it. So I'm interested to see how much that happens, if he's able to hold his own at his size or if the Pistons can play off of that. But like I was saying, either way, he's one of the only guys that can shoot the ball, score the ball, and then also compete defensively. So I think at least until the veterans come back, you're probably going to see him closing a lot of games. And despite him not starting, I don't think they're going to make the change to their starting lineup. I do think you're going to see him play starting minutes. Um, you're going to see him play a lot with Cade, and you're going to see him close some games, especially when Ivy's out and especially when Burks and Monte Morris is out. I think that's what you're going to see. I think that's what matters more, especially the closing lineup. Um, And I've said multiple times on the podcast before already this year, I really like how uh, Monte Williams has been staggering the lineups throughout this year. Um, Obviously, people don't like the starting lineup. Fans hate the starting lineup. Um, But I've been a fan of how he's, after that starting lineup, he starts to get sub guys out, how he's been staggering guys and getting guys minutes with each other. I personally have been a fan of it. Um, I think he's been really creative with how he wants to do it. Um, I think you'll probably see a more consistent one once he figures some stuff out, but he's been very creative and hasn't been scared to try things. So I thought he's been a, doing a good job with it. Um, I think he did a good job with Sasser this past game and the game before with getting him minutes and playing him a lot with Cade. So I think that's something you'll continue to see as long as Sasser continues to play well, score the ball and shoot the ball well you'll continue to see him play with Cade a lot, and that's a good thing. Um, really good to see a Pistons sec- or borderline second-round pick, but their second first-round pick in the 20s play this way. Um, it's very early in the season. Don't overreact too much, but he's looking really good. He's looking like a pure scorer, a pure shooter. Um, exactly what the Pistons wanted out of him, and that's always great to see from your young guys. So let me know what you guys think about Marcus Sasser's play so far. Do you think they should just go ahead and insert him into the starting lineup? What do you guys think about what I said about playing starter minutes despite not starting, staggering him, playing with him with K, closing with them? What do you guys think? Let me know all that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, Asar Thompson 
while he continues to not be that great of a shooter, though he shot two of three from deep tonight. He had missed, I believe, his previous 14 threes, including some air balls against, um, what was the previous, who, who was the previous game the Pistons played against? Uh, the Pelicans, including air balling a few shots there. He continues to just impress. And I, I've come, a, I can't believe I'm saying this, but after seven games of watching Asar Thompson, somehow I am more impressed than I thought I would have been. We'll talk about why when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel. Score early with this NFL season and the start of the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better place to get or better time to get in on the action. I'm over on FanDuel right now. Obviously, by the time you guys listen to this, you guys won't the same odds won't be on here, but later on tonight, we got a game against the Memphis Grizzlies and Portland Trailblazers in this game. The Memphis Grizzlies are favorites despite being 0-6 minus 152 in FanDuel. I'm feeling that plus 128 for Portland. Also, I think that over under of 219, I think I'm feeling the under in this game for that Memphis and Portland game, but that's the kind of thing you can do and look at over at FanDuel. You can do the spreads, you can do player props, you can do over-unders, and you can do a whole lot more as well with FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season and the NBA the NBA season. That's with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Asar Thompson, on the season before this game, was shooting 36% from the field and 6, 6% from three. Um, he hadn't hit a three since the first game of the year. He had missed his last, what is this, 9, 11, 13, yeah, 14 threes of the season. But in this game against the Phoenix Suns, he did hit two of three threes. He had 14 points, nine rebounds, four assists, four steals, and four blocks. He damn near had a five-by-five. Five. Look, I, after seven games, I have been more, I found myself more impressed with the SAR than I thought I would have before the season. And that's saying something, because you guys all know I was very high on both the Thompson twins, and I wanted Asar to be the pick at five before the draft. That's who I wanted to pick. That's who I picked in the lockdown NBA mock draft. So I was already expecting good things from him this year. But I wasn't expecting him, to be honest. If I'm going to be blatantly honest. I had some doubts about whether he would be a really good defender as a rookie because you just don't see that kind of impact from rookies. Now, I had said before the year that if the Pistons believe that, then yes, you start him, and then we see if he actually is. And man, when I tell you, I said this last week, I'm going to continue to say this, I think there is a possibility that you could seriously make the case that Sar Thompson has been a top 10 defender in the NBA this year. No doubt. I, if it was right now, now it's incredibly early in the season, obviously. But as of right now, if you were making all defensive teams, Sar Thompson would be on one of them, no doubt. Without, it, it would be no hesitation. He'd be on one of the all-defensive teams. That's how good he's been defensively. Not just on his own guys, staying in front of them, shutting off drives, but incredible on help side defense. His rim, uh, weak side rim protection has been fantastic. He had a crazy block, I believe, on Grayson Allen in this game against the Phoenix Suns. Um, Killian Hayes was guarding him. Grayson Allen got to the rim. Killian Hayes kind of like 
you know, cut off the clear layup to where Grayson Allen had to kind of fade with a little push runner with which if a star wasn't there, he probably makes it. It wasn't too crazy hard of a shot, but a star literally just came out of nowhere and just wiped it out to the front row. I, that's just crazy stuff, man. There was multiple Kevin Durant possessions where he was guarding him, and I thought he he might have gotten credited with a block on KD for one of these. It still hit the rim, but it looked like Asar got a tip of it. KD couldn't even get a shot over him. It was multiple times it looked like that Asar was giving him a high five on each shot because Asar is getting that high and staying that in front of KD and making his life so hard. We've seen that throughout the year from Asar. It's been crazy. His defense has seriously been insane. That's not even taken into account. His passing lane uh, steals, his hustle on the glass, his hustle on the defensive glass specifically is what I'm talking about, um, and ripping guys up on ball. He's just been everywhere defensively, everywhere defensively. And remember, before the year I talked about how, hey, if Asar can rebound like he did in Summer League, you can start him with Bojan and have Asar basically be your four, and that would make up for the def- uh, the rebounding battle. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Stu... I think Stu's going to start still when, when Boyan comes back. But my point is, before the year, I talked about that being a possibility, and he's absolutely backed it up to start the year. He's averaging 9.3 rebounds a game. 9.3 rebounds a game. In this game against the Suns, he had nine rebounds again. Five offensive rebounds. This dude, he's all over the place. He's, he's literally all over the place. Defensively, on the offensive, excuse me, on the offensive glass, defensive glass, he's all over the place. And when his shot is hitting, when he hits two or three threes, oh, then it's just everything. Like, that's just, he's, he's impacting the game at every single level possible once he's doing stuff like that. I think his teammates are starting to learn to play with him a little bit more. I think still he needs to have multiple lobs thrown to him per game because that's how crazy of an athlete he is. You, even when it looks covered, you need to just throw it up to him because no one on the court is going to jump with him. They just can't. And you saw that a lot in OTE. Asar's kind of talked about that before in the offseason. I believe he touched on this. But in OTE, I talked about this a lot before the draft. When he'd go to the rim and cut to the rim, his brother would just throw it up in the air. And because no one else is the type of athlete Asar is, he'd just go up and make crazy finishes. And we've already seen him finish some crazy dunks off of alley-oops this year. I think once his teammates get accustomed to the fact that, hey, no one else is going to jump with him, if he's coming to the basket and he has a clear lo- or clear lane to jump off of, not even a clear lane to the rim, but just clear space to jump off of, I can just throw it up and he's going to go get it. I think once they get accustomed to that, he'll score even more on cuts and on alley-oops. But he's been fantastic, man. I think in his prime, dude, this is a guy that could average like 26, 6, 4, and 3. Like, this is, like, this is the kind of stuff he's doing. He's literally everywhere, filling up the box score everywhere. If he develops his jump shot, if that jump shot gets around to where I thought it could be in the future when I scouted him pre-draft, he's going to be absolute home run of a pick. This is going to be an all-star player, an absolute all-star player. And the last thing I'll say about Asar is this. The fact that he continues to shoot matters a lot to me. Remember during the offseason, I talked about how Asar isn't that great of a shooter I said this for both the Twins. But I said Asar isn't that great of a shooter right now, but he's not a non-shooter. There's a difference between being a guy who shoots but just can't make them right now versus a guy who just won't take them. A guy who just won't take them, Hamadou Diallo, a guy who's out the league. Ben Simmons, a guy who gets you know his fair share of criticism. Those guys who just won't take threes, they impact your spacing in different levels and they don't give you a chance. Guys who are 
active shooters, they just can't make them right now. Or I'd rather be, I'd rather do with those guys because one, especially at this point of his development, it says good things about his development that it's not impacting his confidence. He's shooting confidently, and he wants and those kind of guys you can deal with. Those are the kind of guys you can bet on their development, and that's what he's been doing so far. This past game against the Pelicans, six threes, despite airballing some, still taking them. Now, obviously, I'm we're not sitting here giving him a pat on the back for airballing threes. That's not what I'm saying. I hope you guys can see through that. The point is, is that. The fact he continues to shoot and continues to have that confidence to keep shooting despite him missing says good things to me. Eventually, he's going to have to start hitting him, but it says good things about his development that he's not letting it scare him away or shy him away from taking those shots. Because when you do start shying away and not taking them, you won't have nights like today when he hits two or three. You'll have nights when you're just zero of zero. You're impacting spacing. You're either going to turn the ball or go into the paint because you're scared to shoot, or guys just won't guard you and you don't have a chance of making them pay. When you shoot them, yeah, you'll have nights when you're a star Thompson, when you're 0 of 2, you're 0 of 3, you're 0 of 4. But then you may have nights where you're 2 of 3. And now instead of a game where you're 8, 9, 4, and 4, you have a game when you're 14, 9, 4, and 4. And you give the team a better chance at winning. And it says better things about your development long term. So that's the last thing I got to say about Asar. I think he's been absolutely fantastic for the Pistons. A really good rookie. Um, and I'm happy about where his future is going. So... Let me know what you guys think about Sar Thompson in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe out there. Until next time, go Pistons and peace out.